Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. God bless our youth classes. They're dismissed. We love them very much. Appreciate their worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to I come to us today. Amen. Brother Kermis, can you turn that fan off over here in the corner? I apologize, but it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> Didn't notice it till just now. Amen. I believe that each and every person that God has ever created, amen, has an eternal destination. We believe in heaven. We believe in hell. We believe, amen, in a heaven that we should live for, that's worth living for. A heaven that's worth adjusting my life here, that I might be able to receive it someday. I believe in a hell that needs to be feared. I believe in a hell that needs to be shunned. I believe in a hell that needs to be, once again, that I need to adjust the way I live here, so I don't end up there. Amen. And there are things in this life that we have to fight. Somebody say fight. There are things in this life that we have to fight, that we have to rise up, fight against, rise up and fight for, that we might make our eternal destination sure. I believe that there is a future In this life, we still have a hope. In this life, we still have a future that is in Christ, but there is also a future beyond this life that is worth fighting for today. Amen. And for some, the idea of eternity can be so incomprehensible that they discount it as being possible, making the mistake that since they can't understand it, that then it must not be true. I would start us off by asking you to think of all the things that happen right now in your life that we don't really understand, but we know they're true. Or even maybe technologies that you can't explain, but they work somehow. And that's what man can do. What can God do? The trouble with trying to fully comprehend and understand God is that we are not God. We are not demigods. We are amen humanity. And so some people, because they might not be able to comprehend the idea of eternity, then they discount it as even being an option. Others have tried over the years to come up with illustrations to try to put into our our minds that we might grasp how long eternity is. Perhaps you've heard the illustration that if there was a solid steel ball the size of the sun, and once every 10,000 years, a dove would fly by it and graze the steel ball with its wing, When that steel ball was completely worn away from the brush of that dove's wing, eternity is just beginning. That's hard for me to, that doesn't help me a whole lot. It sounds good. It's somewhat poetic. 
but it doesn't help me. Trying to comprehend eternity in that sense, trying to wrap our human brain around deity's creation is something that we should be careful to even attempt. But that does not mean that heaven doesn't exist. It does not mean that hell is not real. We are a people that are working towards having a, a, a pure Christianity. We want to be biblically pure in our beliefs. And so instead of talking about steel balls the size of a sun and a dove's wing, we look to Scripture not to grasp the time, but to grasp the reality of eternity. We need to grasp the reality of eternity. In Matthew 25, you can turn in your Bibles or follow on the screen. Matthew 25, we see these words. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or, or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. And then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, and a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? And then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now, there's a whole lot that I could preach and teach about that, and there's a lot of things that we need to grasp about that. But Christ is using one point of this illustration to teach us about eternity. As God, he would, he would understand the power of our actions on our eternity. He's trying to get them to connect the way they live to the way they're going to spend their eternity. He's trying to get them to connect their daily actions and their daily routines and what they do today, how it's going to affect tomorrow. And how I live today is going to affect my future and to those who had done well, he says, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. When was it prepared? He says it was prepared from the foundation of the world. That this was already set in motion. That this kingdom was already built. It was already prepared by God. And that this world, amen, this world that we live in, this, this thing called time and all of this, it has a foundation. Or I should say it has a beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It has a beginning. And so when we talk about eternity, we don't look eternally backward because you can't look eternally backward. Because there's a beginning. But we can look eternally forward. And when we talk about eternity, we look eternally forward. And these shall go away, he says, into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Oh, hallelujah. I want to make it very clear right off the offset here today that when Jesus puts down these two destinations and, and these two futures, he does not follow it up with a whole lot of other options. He doesn't follow it up by saying, but there's a whole lot in between that maybe you'll fall into this category or this category or this category. No, the Lord God Almighty, who we came into this place to worship to today, that same God says there 
there are some that are going to go into everlasting punishment and there are some that are going to go into righteousness and life eternal and I can speak I think for you today but if there's a my those are my two choices I want to go to heaven I want to be with Jesus I want to do whatever I got to do to make heaven my eternal home I want us to notice the words that are used here. Everlasting is used and eternal is used. Both of these words are the same Greek word, ahionius, which means forever. It means forever. It makes no biblical to sense. It makes no biblical sense to say that heaven is forever and hell is temporary. There are religions that believe it. There are people that teach it. But it doesn't make any biblical sense to do such. Because the word everlasting and the word eternal both mean forever. In Mark 10, Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, he says to Jesus. We've left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Peter feels the need in this scenario. He feels uh, the urge inside of his flesh, his, his, his carnality, his humanity, amen, to remind Christ about everything they've given up for him. Now, Jesus, I just want to remind you that we left a lot of stuff behind to follow you. And I just want to, maybe we need to remember that we've given up a lot to follow you. And he feels the need to tell Jesus about that. And Jesus reminds Peter that for every sacrifice that they have made, that they have been blessed a hundredfold. He looks back at Peter without any shame, guilt, and he looks at him and says, amen, nobody's made any sacrifices for me that they were not richly blessed the sacrifice that they made. They were not richly blessed for the things that they left behind. And he says, and those that did it, he said, not only are they blessed in this time, but they are also blessed in the world to come, eternal life. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, if all I had to do uh, was preach about heaven, and I, if, I, if I had to get up here every week uh, and say, uh, you know what, uh, life's going to be miserable, it's going to be hard, uh, it's going to be devastating, uh, you're going to hate getting up in the morning, uh, you're going to cry in your sleep, uh, but just hold on, because uh, heaven's coming. If that's what I had to do, uh, and the reward was still heaven, uh, I would preach it uh, until I didn't have any breath left in my body, but I've come to tell you today. He says right there in that word, there is blessing and reward in this life for living for the king. And every decision I make to live for him is also a decision I'm making to make heaven my home. There are some things you should stop doing just because it would make your life better. And I'm not going to put a list of them on the wall. Just pretty much whatever you just thought when I said that is probably where you should focus your attention. There are some things we should stop doing just because it would make our life here better. And some of those very same things, though, this is what we have to understand. Some of those very same things are also things we should stop doing if we want to go to heaven. There are also things that are holding us back from being who God called us to be. And there are things that will hold us out from making heaven our home. See, once again, our actions... They have an effect on our eternity. 
We can have a blessed life now. I believe that. We can also have an eternal life with Christ to come. I don't understand. I've never understood. I never will understand. People walking around all down and defeated who claim to be Christians. I don't have an issue with you having a bad day. But maybe we should just keep it at that. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, we've got a lot to live for. I'm telling you, we've got a lot to be joyful about. We've got a lot to be encouraged in. We are tremendously blessed of God. Oh, hallelujah. We are tremendously blessed of God. We've got access to joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got access to peace that passes understanding. We've got access to hope, hallelujah, and encouragement and strength. When I'm weak, I can be strong because I'm connected to Jesus, because I know who my Savior is. I've got access to hope. I've got access to love. I've got access... You've been promised life more abundantly if you want it. It's a promise of Scripture, and it exists for you and I if we want it. John 3, 15 and 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, right? Perish. Should not perish. That word means to die. That's what it means. To die. Everlasting is the same word that we read earlier. Ahionius. Forever. Forever. He that believeth in him should not die. But have life forever. Oh, hallelujah. So what I believe matters. What I believe should affect how I act. What I believe affects how I behave. Oh, hallelujah. It affects my life now and it affects my eternity to come. The question that you may want to be asking yourself is, is what does it mean to believe in him? A powerful truth of what we, amen, should do, a powerful truth of what our belief should be is found in our understanding of how belief should affect us. That how we believe should have an effect. And even if I say I believe it, then that ought to, change things inside of me. Amen. It ought to change things inside of me. See, it's a, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a little bit, some, I think maybe the, I don't know if, I, if this is actually true or if it just feels true. <laughs> but, but as a preacher of the gospel, it feels like maybe I don't get as long as a grace period sometimes when I start acting foolishly. Because, because the swift hand of God comes down and says, don't you remember that message you preached like two weeks ago? Amen. So it's difficult, and I'm glad it is, and it should be. It should be difficult to buy into confusion, to buy in. To, to lies and deception and to buy in to, to the, the struggles that are presented to us every day when I know that I have peace that passes understanding that is offered to me 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. I've got a God of peace who is offering me peace all the time. It's hard, it's hard, and it should be hard to get all down and discouraged and get all uh, uh, hanging in my head uh, when I think of joy uh, and I think of the joy unspeakable that comes.
comes from my God. And I think about what he did that I might have that joy. What he went through that I might have that joy. It's hard for me to be afraid and to be full of fear and let this world overcome me with fear when I think about, hallelujah, that he never gave me a spirit of fear, but he gave hallelujah there are some things that if we believe them they ought to affect us they ought to change us oh hallelujah and so he tells us we could have life forever Romans 6 know ye not I want you to really Dial in now as we read this. Romans 6, 16 through 23. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul lets us know that we are all servants to something. Oh, hallelujah. Every single walking, talking, breathing human being is a servant to something. We are servants to whatever we yield ourselves to. In verse 16, as we dig into the original and the Greek, we see it to be saying that as you offer to submit yourself to this thing, then you begin to conform to it. So, so there's, there's, there's all of these things happening in life. And ultimately, there is God and there is anti-God. And God is constantly offering us things. Things that we could yield ourselves to, submit ourselves to. But he's not the only one making the offer. The world, the sinful darkness around us is also constantly offering us things. Wanting us to submit, to yield ourselves to it. And as we do, what this is telling us is that as we submit ourselves to it, then we begin to conform to it. It starts out as a matter of the heart and the matter of the will. And as I submit myself to that in my heart, eventually my life begins to conform to it. And you can't stop that. You can't keep it from happening. Amen. You can't. If you go after this world and you go after the sinful things of nature, amen, and you yield yourself to that, you begin to submit to that. And as you submit and surrender to that, your life will begin to conform to that, begin to reflect that. You will begin to look like a walking, talking illustration of the sinful world. Amen. 
And this is also, though, at the same exact time why this thing called God and truth and doctrine and the gospel is a beautiful thing. And how, when we preach it, we can say uh, uh, without any hesitation that this will change your life. Because as someone begins to yield themselves and surrender themselves to God, you can't stop it. They just begin to conform and they begin to look and act and talk. They become a walking, talking illustration of what it means to know who Jesus is. Oh, hallelujah. So he's pointing out this. And it's, he says it's, it's the same whether we do it of sin unto death or we do it of obedience unto righteousness. You see, conformity is extremely important. In the world, conformity eventually is demanded. It, start out, it starts out as, hey, why don't you just come check this out? Just see what you think. But conformity is eventually demanded. We are living in a day now, right now. We are living in a day where we are beginning to see that it's going to be demanded of you. To conform. It's going to be demanded of you, even lawfully so, to think how they think, believe what they believe, promote what they promote. Oh, hallelujah. And while God leads us and He calls for us, he also, as we yield to him, conformity to him begins to happen. It gets so much to the point that the Apostle Paul says, I live, but not I, but Christ liveth in me. What well, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. The conformity happens as we go after Christ as well and as we surrender ourselves unto him as well. And while God leads us beyond conformity, he begins to work on us. In fact, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12. And he does all of this. He said, well, if I have to conform this way or if I have to conform that way, what's the difference? If I'm going to go this way and it's going to be demanded of me, and if I go this way, I'm going to be saying, I, I am not my own. I was bought with the price. I'm a servant of the Lord. What's the difference? The difference is that one leads to hell and one leads to heaven. It's not just a couple roads diversion. It's not just let me see what I'm going to do. One is heading to eternal darkness and damnation, and the other is leading unto life forever with Jesus Christ. Completely different in opposite directions. And so we find that this world's conformity has no reward beyond their temporary acceptance. If you're going to go with them and be with them, you've got to fit in with them. And it's all good. It's all good as long as you walk in step. But as soon as you try to do something different... It all changes. And they have no reward. Oh, they make it look good, but there's no reward. It sounds good, 
I can, I can put this stuff into my body and it'll make me feel good temporarily. But there's no reward. There's nothing real. It doesn't last. I hate the way I feel the next day. I can't look at myself in the mirror. I got myself connected to people who don't love me. So-called friends who aren't there for me. There's no reward. Oh, hallelujah. There's no reward. And that's why it's important that we understand that's a major difference between what path I take. Because if I go after this path, there's some experiences I can have, but no real reward with those experiences. But Jesus says that if you'll follow and surrender yourself unto me, there are things right now in this life, right now, that will be rewarded unto you. There are things that you're going to be able to have and experience, amen, that the world can't give it and the world can't take it away but it comes when I yield myself unto Jesus and that's now and I still have eternity to come oh hallelujah he makes a very important distinction about not only what we obey but how somebody say how how we obey in Romans 6, 17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That was the difference maker. They didn't just hear it. They obeyed it. They didn't just obey it in their brain. They obeyed it in their heart. That was the difference. He says this, this doctrine the same doctrine that we teach and preach around here, the same doctrine from the Word of God was taught to them too. Paul knew that their obedience must come from the heart. And that was how they would be made, he says, free from sin. To truly yield to something involves our heart. To yield, in this verse of Scripture, means to stand beside. It's a visual of to come into agreement with. Amen. It's, a, it's, a, it's the ability uh, or that we have that when we put ourselves near something or next to something, we begin to connect to that thing. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's, un, it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. We were, we were having some dinner with some people last night, and, and we were talking about uh, relationships and stuff, and, and, and my wife and I were pointing out that when we first met, we were actually quite different from each other. I guess it's the opposite to track thing, I guess. I mean, we were the same in what matters the most. Our love for the Word of God, our love for Jesus, those things. But there were some wide differences of personality. I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> but, but... After, after 21 years of marriage, it's, it's funny how much we are alike. And I, I didn't keep all the things about me. I didn't keep all those things. She pulled me. She pulled me her way, and she didn't keep all the things about her. I pulled her a little bit. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> and 21 years later, we're very similar people because you can't really stop that. It's just, it's just that you connected yourself to someone, right? You connected yourself. Do you know that happens in the spiritual as well? You know that, that if I connect myself to the things of sin and darkness or people, that participate in the things of sin and darkness, if I really connect myself to them. I'm talking about from the heart. Amen. 
We're all about being a light into the world. We are not separating ourselves from the world and being like, oh, we don't even pretend like they don't exist. No, he said, go ye into all the world. And so we have friends and coworkers and family members. We do all that stuff. We love them, love them, love them. But if I connect my heart to their heart and I start entering into that world, you can't stop it. Let me, let me, am I okay? <laughs> if people are always negative and you connect yourself to their negativity, you're going to become negative. Right. The, the, what, is the, what does the world call it? The uh, birds of a feather? All right. The Bible's telling us that we got to be careful with our heart. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I, 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 I want to grow in this area and I want to be better in this area. And I, I like what I see. Uh, that person over there, man, look, at, look I, I appreciate what they've done with their, with their kids. Or I appreciate how they've been able to keep that job for so long. Or that's something, how they, their marriage seems really good. You know what you need to do? You need to connect. Connect to them. See what they've learned. What God has taught them. But I'm going to say this. In the world and even in the church, if they're doing something that don't look right, if they're not prioritizing Jesus Christ, if church isn't that important to them, if the Bible's not important to them, if you can be around them and talk to them constantly and God never comes up, uh, you might want to be careful how much you connect your heart to, to their heart. You say, well, that, that sounds kind of blunt. That sounds, well, you're, you're talking about my relationships now. You, you, you bet I'm talking about our relationships because our relationships affect our direction. They affect our conformity. My conformity is about what I yield myself to. And eventually, what I yield myself to is going to dictate my life. And my life is going to dictate my eternity. What is it? Who is it? that you would allow to choose for you your eternal destination. Who gets to make that determination for you? Who gets to have that level of impact on your life? Oh, hallelujah. How and what it has to be from the heart. We yield ourselves. The choices of things, the choices of things we become servants to is vast. It's a vast amount of things that we can become servants to, but the direction in which they will lead us is clear. It decides our eternity. He says it's either sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So he challenges us that we have, we have before, everybody say before, that we have before yielded to sin. He says, you have before yielded to sin, but now you should become servants of righteousness. He states that this will bring us to holiness, which is holiness is a, the purity. It's a, it's a purifier. It's a thing that brings purity into our lives. Paul makes an interesting statement in Romans 6, 20 and 21. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things wherewith you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. When we, when we served sin, hear me, when we served sin, we didn't have to worry about the restraints of righteousness. We didn't have to worry about the restraints of righteousness. We were too tied up with the restraints of sin. The question is, what was the end result of what you were serving? What did it bring about when I participate in that, when I act in that, when I behave like that? What does that bring into my life? The question is, was it worth it? Because sin has a known end, for the end of those things is death. 
Paul may not have used the word hell here, but we are not confused by what he does say in Romans 6, and 33. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye now have your fruit unto holiness, and the end is everlasting life, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And after he lists off some things, he makes a little kind of list of some things that could negatively affect our eternity. It's by, it's by no means an exhaustive list. It's an illustrative list of things that could negatively affect our eternity. He then writes this in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and fight. Somebody say it. Fight, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life whereunto also thou art called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says there's a lot of stuff we ought to be running away from. There's a lot of stuff we ought to be fleeing. We ought to be getting a distance between us and those things. But there's also a lot of things, God things, holy things things, pure things, righteous things that we ought to be running after and we ought to be attaching our hearts to and yielding ourselves to and we got to do it with a fight in our spirit. We got to do it with the fight that says this is about my eternity and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord, everybody. And I'm trying to tell us today is that eternal life with Christ is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And it's a faith fight. He says, lay hold on eternal life. That means seize it. Seize it. And don't let it go. Seize it and don't trade it for anything else. Seize it and don't become, don't let it become a negotiation chip with the devil. No, lay hold on it. Seize it and don't ever let it go because you've been called to it. We all have. And hopefully, after we've been called to it, we have professed a good profession. That, we, that phrase means that we made a covenant with God. It's a commitment. We made a commitment. It's a relationship. It's a heart issue. When I professed a good profession, it means I yielded my heart to him. I gave him my all. It's, it's very difficult. And I feel for those, I feel for those who are in it. It's very difficult if you're not 100% sold out. It's hard to be halfway with God. I see people struggling, and I wonder if sometimes they don't look around and say, why is it so easy for them but so hard for me? Why do they not have a problem with that, but I have a problem? And i got to tell you something. There's a major shift that happens when you sell out completely. There's a major change that comes into your life it's not that the devil quits attacking. He just seems to lose a little of his gusto. Because he just, he looks at you. And he sees your heart and your, your activity. And he just realizes his chances are so small now. And so, yeah, he never stops. He's annoying like that. He never stops. But it's, it's almost like he's just like, I'll just, it feels like that. What might have used to feel like a fiery dart or 
a piercing or a major attack just kind of feels just like a little bit of a, was that, what was that? What was that? A little mosquito. When Zachary was little, you should drive him crazy. Now I drive Garrett crazy with it. When, when, when we would get into like a little, you know, little tussle, little dad and son little thing. And, and I'd be like, go ahead, give it all you got. Give it all you got. You know, give him the old arm. Go ahead, give it all you got. And he'd be like, Ugh. And I'd be like, I said, I said, is there mosquitoes in here? What was that? What? And it gets so, uh, you know, just, just give it all you got. And, and then they get older and you don't play that game anymore. <laughs> play a different game, not that game. <sighs> but that's how, I'm telling you, the devil will never stop trying. But you can get to a place in your life where it's not a battle every day. It's not a challenge every single day. You're not just hoping maybe I can make it through this day. Amen. But for people who are trying to do halfway, trying to do 30%, trying to do 60%, trying to live for God most of the time, but I don't want to do all the way, it's going to be so hard for you. And I'm telling you, amen, I'm really not that sorry. Amen. I want it to be hard for you because maybe one day it'll be hard, so hard that you'll say, this is not worth it anymore more. I need to either go all in on this or all in on that. And I'm telling you when you go all in on Jesus you'll never regret it. Not for a moment. Not with one ounce of your being. You'll never regret it. Hallelujah. Eternal life is worth fighting for. It's worth it to make a covenant with God. It's worth it to have relationship, to be sold out. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. To give your all is worth it. So why do we have to talk about the fact that eternity awaits and why must I preach about there being heaven and hell? Titus, we read it like this. And I come to a close. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Eternity was in place before the world began. And now that word, that promise of God, it comes to us today through preaching. So today I came anointed of God to lay this before us that we might consider our life now and our eternity to come. That we might for a moment today Push the pause button on the nonsense and the chaos and consider what am I doing with my life? Whose am I? Who am I serving, conforming to? What is it that we have yielded our lives to, submitted to, servants of? If it's not Jesus, then we are missing out on the life that he created us to have and died on a cross for us to live. And if we are not prepared to enter our eternity to come, all I can say is we have another opportunity today with opportunity to change and be changed to yield ourselves to God. We have another chance that we might not have tomorrow, but I have it now if I'm not sure about my eternity. So I must begin some activity in my life. I must begin to flee those things 
was trying to drag me down. And I must begin to follow after righteousness, godliness, holiness, and faith, and love, and patience. Because I have the chance today still to fight for my future. It's still within my power. It's still within my ability to say yes to God, to say no to the enemy. It's still within me to put my hands up and get back in the ring and fight and say, devil, I've got a promise from God and I've got a future that's worth fighting for and I want the life that I can have now in Jesus and I want my eternity in heaven to come. It's a future worth fighting for. Would you stand and lift your hands unto the Lord, please? Just lift your hands unto Jesus and begin to talk to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voices. I need some people that know how to pray just to begin to pray. And if you don't know what to say today or you don't know what to pray, just begin to call upon the name of Jesus. I promise you, as you see, just say his name. You are going to feel his love, his presence come upon you right now. Come on, let's talk to him a little bit. In the name of the Lord God of heaven, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us now. I pray, God, that you would do as only you are able to do. Help us, Lord Jesus, that we would be focused, Lord God, right now, that we would focus our faith, that we would understand that the actions that we take today affect our eternity, that the decisions I make now affect my forever, my forever, my forever, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. If you're here today, and you just want to come and pray. Amen. Amen. You may be in church for 30 years, but you just want to come. You just want to reaffirm. You just want to pray. You just want to talk to the Lord. I would invite you to come. If you're here today and you've never responded to an altar before, amen, the front of this building is our altar area. This is where we come to pray when we feel God tugging on us. And I know that God is tugging on us right now. I know that God is tugging on our hearts. And so I'm encouraging you to come. I'm encouraging you to come and pray. Hallelujah. You say, well, preacher, I've already, I've already settled this issue in my heart and, and I'm looking forward to making heaven my home. That's good. That's good. That's good. Why don't you come up and just worship the Lord a little bit? Uh, why don't you come up and just talk to your Savior a little bit and maybe talk to him about hey, some more purpose in your life or some more value in your life. Uh, hallelujah. But I would love everybody to come. I would love everyone to come and maybe they could push some of these chairs back a little bit and that would make a little bit more room but I would love us to come and pray today I would love us to come and pray and let's talk to the Lord and seek Him and just maybe thank you for listening to our podcast this week we hope you enjoyed this message Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.